thank you. You're a great church. I just want to give God the glory because we're just a testimony of what we're teaching. And I just like to start with the generational stuff. Sometimes you come from a family line where it just is not done to share your feelings, talk feelings, and for all sorts of reasons. Like my father was um, pushed out of the exclusive brethren church when he discovered there were Christians, and he just walled off, showed his love by good deeds, but could never express feelings. That was how he was. And if I try to talk to him about his emotions, this is how I am, this is how we act. And then I realized this whole family line were like that because when I had to identify it, it was pride and a worship of rational thinking. If it wasn't something you could rationalize and describe, then, you know, we didn't go there. It's all kooky and, you know, funny. So I came to the stage where I realized that was a generational trait, and I repented of being like that and worshiping the rational mind and inviting the Lord to use visions, dreams, any triggers he chose to use to allow me to see what was buried that I hadn't seen. It's a dangerous thing to do, actually. And um, so I did that. And then within a week of that prayer, the Lord took me right back. And here am I, a married woman with a pastor's wife with six children. And, but we just never had really gone into inner healing very much. He brought me back to an incident that happened when I was 11 years old. Like this would be probably 30 years earlier when um, I was 11 and my sister, who was 13, we were in a car accident where my mother was the driver grandmother was in the car, and it was a huge crisis in our family, and um, it's just turned the whole family upside down. But at that stage, they had three preschoolers, and then this um, middle girl, and then two older girls. So the way I coped at that stage was to rise up and be super joy. I actually didn't have needs or feelings. I, I actually stood there for everybody else, and I took on an identity, probably because everybody else around me was a mess. But it was the way I chose to respond. I could have gone back and said, I, I need comfort or I need help. But I just shelved all that and closed it all off and took on another identity of being totally all together. I don't have feelings or needs. <laughs> it's just not who I am. Which, you know, you can live like that for quite some time. And I lived like that for years and years and years until I realized it was a false identity. I'm not actually that sort of person. I've chosen to be that for many years. I actually do have needs. And I can ask them to be met. In fact, I didn't even like needy people. I thought they're people that weren't very good. I, the Lord said, well, actually, I like you to have needs because I want to meet your needs. And if you don't have needs, you can't meet one another's needs. And so I had to stop being independent and isolated and alone and realize that it's okay to have needs. So anyway, this whole incident came back and I realized there were many keys that, had, that I've since realized. One was how I coped at the time was choosing to totally deny my feelings, my need, just shut the door tight on it and live for years and years and years like it hadn't happened until, you know, as I said, I invited the Lord to raise issues. So then when it came up, I thought, what do I do? And I kept reading the scriptures and the Holy Spirit led me how to process it. He said, don't hide yourself from your own flesh. I thought, I better go and talk to my family about this. And we hadn't talked as a family about this. It had just been a no-go zone. And it was actually quite a, a little process to go back and talk to my family. I didn't even want to look at photos. They brought photos out. Mike had warned them that it was coming. I didn't even want to look at the photos the first day. I was so much in denial. I didn't want to go there. 
It was so incredibly painful. I'd far rather almost stay in denial. But the Lord was on my case. It was time to go there. And you might have situations buried for years and years and years. But this is the time because the Spirit of the Lord is here. The anointing's here to bring good news. And all we have to be is open to the fact that we're poor, we're needy, we actually have things in our life. So I, had, I faced it. I faced it for three days. I, I journeyed it. I relived it. It only took three days to actually get in touch with it, to express my grief, to allow the Lord to bring his love and healing in. And then Mike came back and got me. And he took me back to the gravesite. And he broke the soul tie to the dead. That was very powerful. Sometimes you have to break soul ties to things you've never let go. Loved ones, someone you're close to, never let go. But breaking that soul tie to the dead was powerful. And also the Lord will often give you a fresh vision. I remember when he did that, I just saw my sister in heaven. She's in the galleries of heaven. She's cheering us on. You know, you get a fresh vision of who she is and where she is. And, and, and instead of having a negative or a closed off thing, it becomes something that's powerful and alive. And so that was probably one of the start of my journey of being unlocked. But that habit pattern of being super joy, holding yourself and, and, and going through any sort of crisis alone and using your own resources had been established. And of course, um, the next crisis, I think, was when I met this lovely Roman Catholic boy at university. I was a good brethren girl. <laughs> in fact, I'd seen girls in our church get pregnant. And I saw what happened to them under that judgment and condemnation. And I thought, no way am I ever going to face that sort of music. <laughs> if I ever get pregnant, I'm no way going to bring it out into the light and get treated like I saw some people treated. So an inner vow I made as a young girl at high school. Well, after seven years of getting our act together and not getting our act together, I got pregnant. So my old strategies again kicked in. One is the inner vow. No way was I going to trap somebody into marrying me who'd pregnant. And also, I can cope. I'm super joy. I can go through this without any help from anybody. And I did. I had the whole pregnancy. In fact, up until a week after I was due, I was working in a plastics factory. <laughs> Nobody knew except Mike. I uh, had been teaching at a high school. They all thought I had glandular fever. And... Um, <laughs> We had our baby, put the baby up for adoption. We thought that was the easiest solution at the time. The enemy gives you all sorts of easy outs. So the baby was up for adoption. Nobody knew. My parents didn't know. Nobody except each other and our flatmates. But, you know, such is the power of these old patterns and walking through. In the meantime, you don't realize it seems an easy way out. But what it does to you, emotions, to suppress them, rule over them with your mind, try and pretend they're not there and stifle them. There's death. The Bible says this, if you come into agreement with lies, you actually invite spirits of death and hell, which lock you away, isolate you, torment you. And so it's been a huge journey. Not only how God's been tremendously faithful in that adoption, she's coming on a mission trip with us this year. <laughs> you know, she's saved, she's married. Mike married her. We prayed for her to have children. God's grace. God's amazing grace. I just don't know how good God is. That what I did in sin and in covered and, and bad, you know, just stupid choices, God redeemed and has brought such a huge testimony. But apart from what he's done in that, 
He's had to unlock my emotions and healing and break all those codes of secrecy and all the things that go along with that to bring healing and release and freedom. But he's so incredibly good, and he can do that for you. just share with you just some things about bondages of the heart and it, there's a whole area we could teach about it so I'm going to have to just condense it and just give you some things that just get you to think and while I share I ask you just to be open and let the Holy Spirit drop back into your mind if you have actually built a wall in your heart in Proverbs 4.23 it says keep your heart with all diligence or be a watchman over your heart it's talking about the heart, it's not the physical heart, it's your inner man. Guard your heart, guard the core motivator, guard your inner life. And there's a reason that we're to guard and protect that life because he says, out of it flow the issues of life. So in other words, the life you're living now flows out of not just what you think, but what is alive and operating in your heart. And most people think if they could just change their circumstances, they would change their life. But actually, the circumstances reflect the issues that are in your heart. So we need to change our heart, and that changes the way we interact with life and how life comes to us. So it's vitally important we deal with the heart. Religion will only deal with the outside. So whenever you come under religion or under the law, the law will always attempt to modify your behavior, but contrary to God's way. God's way is to change you from the heart outward, not the outside inward. It's a different process. And so uh, we're to guard our heart because out of our heart we have uh, imaginations, we have dreams, we have desires, but we also have other things can get in our heart. And I want to just list for you some of the bondages that come upon people's life. And uh, they're, they're, they're very simple, just some simple I'm going to give you the heading and define what each one is and just give you an example of it, just so you can think about it in your own life. Things that cause us to be locked up, bondages that cause us to be locked up. So let me just give you some of them now. Uh, because if we don't get free of these bondages, own them and recognize them, we're, we, we remain locked up and evil spirits have a power. Remember, I shared with you last night in Ephesians 2, verse 2, it says, We walked according to the course of this world. That spirit, the principality of the air, that spirit that works in or energizes the children of disobedience. So whenever we choose to control our world or control our life or try to run it ourselves, we open the door then for bondages to come into our life. And the Bible used the word energize or creates spiritual energy or bondage in our life. So if you have an issue that there seems like there's a block, probably there is a block. If there's a pressure that drives you to do something you don't really want to do, then there's something is active and operating inside your life. Sin is not just a thing. Sin is actually a spiritual power that works in us. See, It's actually, it energizes things that we, we don't really want to do. And so it's a power that works in us. Uh, the Bible tells us that the or of the spirit of life in Christ sets us free or overcomes the law of sin and death. So there is a law of sin and death that works in us, but there's another law, the law of the spirit of life in Christ. So let's just give you some of the 
uh, some of the, these areas of bondage now. And what they'll be is they'll be forms of spiritual energy or blockage that you will face in your life. And they will affect all kinds of things. They'll affect relationships. If you're married, they'll affect your degree of intimacy. They will affect your ability to connect with God. They'll affect your ability to flow with the Holy Spirit. They will continue to arise until you face them and they're cleaned out and your heart becomes free to the flow of the Spirit. Make sense? So I, I, I could teach on each one of them, but what I'm going to do is just name each one and just identify it clearly enough you'd understand what it is, okay? And uh, so the first one is a soul tie. Soul ties. Ungodly soul ties. Ungodly soul ties. The Bible tells us that, uh, um, that, that God designed sexual intimacy so that when we were involved sexually with someone, the two would become one. In other words, there would be a bonding or a joining between two people. So sexual intimacy is one way that a bonding or a soul tie or the two become like one. You know? And so the Bible talks that sexual intimacy creates a bonding between two people where the two are linked together. And so in order to protect intimacy, God requires that we have a covenant with that person where we will give ourselves and seek their welfare, seek not to harm them but to do them good, be committed to them for life. Then within that framework of a commitment, you can be intimate without fear of the damage that will cause, be caused by being intimate and then having the relationship breached. So when people are intimate sexually with one another and there's no covenant of commitment and that breaks up, there is a, an ungodly soul tie has been formed. You see, God said the two become one. So there's a, there's a, but now it's an ungodly soul tie and the spirit world recognizes it, can use it as a platform into the person's life. And there are a whole number of ways that ungodly soul ties can form. If you've been sexually involved with another person, inevitably a soul tie, an attachment is formed with that person. And so how it would affect you is this way. Uh, if you're a man, you will have memories of that relationship keep coming back into your mind even years later, even after you're happily married, times you're being intimate with your wife, the memories of previous partners will keep coming back. They will keep flashing back into your mind because there's a demonic pathway direct into you to keep this gate open. Uh, if you're a woman, you'll have the same kind of thing happen. These unfortunate, these images, these pictures, these memories, the, the connection is still there. Uh, if a person is uh, being sexually abused. Unfortunately, that soul tie also happens. This time, it's not just a soul tie of uh, sexual joining, but it's a soul tie also of trauma. It's a traumatic thing. So when people go through a traumatic experience, often their soul gets locked into. It's like the soul gets shattered and tied into the event, and, and the person has to try and control the pain some way, so they usually block it and they remain with a demonic gateway into the heart around the trauma that they've had. And so no matter how you try and control it, it keeps producing fruit in your life. This is one of the reasons that sometimes great men of God fall and it catches us by surprise. But if you check, you'll find inevitably in their background they've had unresolved issues and there was no one to show them how to be healed or whole. So they had to try then to operate under the law and restrain it by the power of the will. You can't restrain spirit things by the power of the will. You have to overcome spirit things by spiritual power. 
in the same manner we saw that that was what Jesus came to do to set free those who were held down by the devil so uh, so soul ties can form through sexual intimacy they can form, form through uh, traumatic experiences they can form through controlling relationships so that's why often a woman who's under a controlling man she finds it so difficult to break free because often there's a strong soul tie as well as the demonic operation that comes through that. And so soul ties can be good, they can be healthy, a husband and a wife, parents and children. They can turn ungodly where there's a sexual intimacy outside marriage or where it's abusive relationship or it goes over the boundaries, becomes a controlling relationship. So those are some areas people can be soul tied to animals. They, an animal became uh, a, a source of uh, love and affection and intimacy in their life. They become soul tied to the animal. Uh, people can become soul tied to the dead. They're bonded to someone. They never process the grief. So they've got a trauma in their life and they're locked in to that person and can't seem to move on in their life. Uh, so unresolved grief can leave a soul tied to you. So these are, these are areas of the heart which are very, very common. People have been through trauma, through sexual sin, through sexual abuse, or through some great loss in their life. They often remain, it's like in their emotions, frozen in time, back there when it happened, and they've never moved on past that point. It's just locked up, and the person's tried to control the pain rather than actually recognizing, I've got something to deal with here. I've got grief to resolve, and I have a soul tie, I need to be delivered from the spirits that rode in on the back of that particular soul tie. Any idea? So now, so you can imagine that if a person's been promiscuous or have many sexual relationships, then they can be soul tied to many different partners and the effect in the marriage is to be quite scattered in the soul and unable to form a deep intimate relationship. The person's got too many connections out elsewhere. And once those connections are broken, then the person becomes free in their mind and imagination and there's no longer the power of these things operating. I haven't got time to develop just how you can deal with some of the things in your imagination. But uh, one, of the, one of the most simple ways, most people when they have negative memories or negative uh, pictures come back into their mind, most people handle it this way. Oh, I shouldn't think that thought. Now, the language of that tells me you've immediately come under the law. You've used the word shouldn't. In other words, you've already judged it as wrong and judged yourself as failing and you put yourself under the law. See? And so now you, there's no power to be free. So I've got to stop thinking about that. So now you notice you're now trying to overcome a spirit thing in the flesh. There's no way you can ever deal with it that way. Uh, I, I, say I haven't got time to deal with the, 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 the discoveries. There's been a huge number of developments and discoveries of the way the brain works. But if I just put it in a simple form, that your brain, the memories actually occupy a physical space. They are formed of synapses that are joined together. It's like a tree. So when memories in your mind are recorded as uh, trees, neuron trees in your, in your brain. And if there, are, uh, if there are negative experiences or negative uh, patterns, they're thorny trees. If they're wholesome, then they're a different kind of tree. So it's embedded physically in you let alone the demonic spirit elements that go with it. So the power of the blood. So most people try to just overcome it by saying I shouldn't, 
What's better to do is to say, oh, I see I have that negative thought there. Well, I hold the blood of Jesus Christ and just see the thought and begin to paint it out with the blood of Jesus Christ. Just, just apply with your imagination the blood of Jesus Christ to it. You'll be amazed how negative images in your mind can just literally disappear and vanish as you apply the power of the Spirit. You know? yeah. So, so soul ties. Another, another way that people cope with pain is by making a death wish. A death wish, is a, it can be twofold. It can be against yourself or against another person. But a death wish, let's talk about it against yourself. A person goes through a period of pain, this tremendous pain, and they come to the conclusion they can't handle the pain anymore. They often come up with a statement in their mind like this, I just wish I were dead. I wish I could die. And so when people start to say, I wish I could die, they are coming into agreement. What they're saying really is, I don't believe God is able to help me in this. What, what I really believe is that I should die. So they come into agreement with the spirit of death. And when a person makes a death wish, they're making an invitation to a spirit of death to come into them. It's very, very common when people have been sexually abused. I feel so ashamed. I just want to die. I wish I could die. And so uh, when people have been sexually abused, physically abused, verbally abused, emotionally abused, or uh, if there's been some painful season in their life, people just feel, I just wish I were dead. I'd be better off dead. And when doing that, they open their heart, they make a death wish and come into agreement then with the spirit of death. And that stays alive until you actually renounce it. I choose life. I renounce it. I choose life. I break my agreement with death and choose life. So, so spirits are always uh, ready to come in when we give them an opportunity. Okay, uh, another area or way that people cope with pain is uh, by making an, a vow. A, a vow is a solemn commitment. It's a commitment to do something. So an inner vow is a vow you speak into yourself. And the Bible warns us against making foolish vows because the spirit world is watching. Now, remember... When you speak, you are, you are created as an ambassador of heaven on the earth and are called to speak God's word into the earth. So when we make foolish statements and make declarations or vows, the spirit world can use it against us. So if you make an inner vow, so, if a, so a, person's been, a woman's been hurt by a man, she said, I'll never trust a man. I'll never open my life to a man. That's an inner vow. Uh, or a, woman, a man might say, well, I'll never trust a woman. I'll never let a woman know what's going on in my family. I'll never let anyone get near me. I'll never let any pastor get the better of me. I'll never let any church do this to me. I'll never let any person in authority treat me this way. When a person makes that, what's happening is they're in pain and they're, they're, they're making a vow out of their pain to manage and control their life. Now, what happens when they do that is they give a demonic spirit power to energize that and literally it continues to outwork all your life. So you may have made the inner vow when you were 15 and went through some bad deal. 24, you're married, but that same inner vow is now operating in your marriage. And eventually you find, initially you're drawn and attracted, and then you've got what's called a wall or a block, and you can't figure out how to break free of it. It's like there's no flow from inside your spirit to the spirit of the other person, because in your soul, there's this inner vow. There's this vow, and no one's getting near me like that. I'm not going to open up. So if you, if you make that kind of inner vow, I'll never let any man near me, well, then the one you most want to come near you can't get near you. Wow. 
they feel walled out and they are walled out by the wall in your heart. You've got to renounce those inner vows, you know. Break the inner vows. Break your agreement with that and open your life to be free. See? Another area that's a very common area is where people make bitter judgments. Bitter judgments are, are horrendous things, really. Uh, it's, it's, it's a judgment or a decree or decision made out of, out of hurt and pain and offense. And it, it's used, that's why it's called a bitter judgment. It's usually made because the person is bitter and they come to conclusions. And the conclusion is not correct. It's usually a generalization. usually takes the form of, well, you can never trust any man. Never trust a woman. And it's like a generalized thing. Or uh, they can, people have bitter judgments about themselves. You know, I'm, I'm no good. I'll never amount to anything. That's a bitter judgment against yourself. Or I'm unacceptable. Who told you that? Isn't it interesting? Adam and Eve hid from God, and God said, where are you? It's a relational question. It's like, you know, where are you? Where are you hiding? Adam's hiding. Now, listen, God knew where he was. God just wanted to connect with him. Where are you is a relational question. He said, well, I was afraid because I was naked, and, and, and I hid myself. And notice what he said. He said, who told you you were naked? Who have you been listening to? Who's been speaking into your heart and judging you? Who have you come into agreement with? And, and so what happens is, uh, what, what happens is we make a judgment based on partial information or, par- or just a perspective. So, for example, uh, a child may see the, the parents' marriage break up and they come to the conclusion marriages are never going to work. Okay? Never get married. That's an inner vow because marriages don't work out. Or don't have kids because it's going to cause a lot of pain. See, that's a bit of judgment. What will happen is, years later, you've forgotten and tried to move on, but now it outworks in your life. Let me give you an example of it. I, I went to pray for a woman one day, and I was a bit distressed going to pray for her because she was having her fifth miscarriage. And she had come, and she'd, we'd, she'd asked for prayer. We'd prayed for her. And, uh, and now I was going because the, they're having the miscarriage. Husband and wife asked me if I'd come out to, to just be with them. So I went out, and I'm going out there. I'm thinking, oh, God, what do I do? Uh, we've been praying, you know. What, what's the story? Help me, Lord. Just help me. And then the Lord dropped two things into my mind. First one, he said, well, this is a boy. Every one of the children she's lost is a boy. I said, really? And immediately he said that. I knew she's got an issue with men. And then he, he said one more thing. Uh, he said to me, get a father to pray for her. Tell, her. tell her to ask a father to pray for her. So I went there and comforted them both as a couple. And then I said, look, you know, tell me what do you think the child is? And she said, I think it's a boy. And she's actually, I think all of the ones I've miscarried are boys. And I said, well, how do you get on with your dad? And uh, she said, oh, I'm his favorite. I said, oh, really? Tell me a bit more about that. And I'm thinking, whoa, where are we going? Let's see what's going to happen. And she said, oh, no, no, I was the favorite. And mum, uh, the youngest one was the favorite with mum. And I was the favorite with dad. And, you know, no, my dad and I are really close. And I said, really? I said, why don't you get your dad to pray for you then? No way. I said, Really? There's a lot of energy in that, you know, the way you said that. You know, why would you say to me that you're so close and yet you don't want him to pray for you? And then she began to open up. And actually, the marriage was dysfunctional. The father downloaded to the older daughter and eventually con- shut her down and controlled her life. The mother uh, took over and, and, shut, and, and shared things that should have been only a marriage with the daughter. And this older daughter had said to herself, I'll never carry a male made an interview, I've spoken to myself, I'll never carry, I said to her, have you ever spoken into yourself, I will never carry a male child, 
And she looked shocked. Her face went white. She said, yes, I remember clearly doing it. I said, can you see the connection that your inner vow, you've literally cursed your own body so that your body is now responding to the vow you made. And it's rejecting male children. And uh, I said, you need to actually repent of that inner vow and forgive your father. You need to deal with this issue that's going on in your heart about his control over your life. So inner vows are very painful. And we, all kinds of inner vow, I'll never tell anyone. Uh, and I'll never talk about things, you know. So there's all this kind of stuff. Another source of bondages of the heart uh, is this, is the area of uh, word curses where people speak words over your life. Uh, words have great power. It's a whole topic of its own, but words that are negative or destructive. You're an idiot. You're a fool. You're a slut. You're this. You're this. You're this. Those kind of words, especially coming from an authority figure, can actually lock into your heart. And, and what happens is if you come into agreement with the word, then the spirit behind it is able to operate freely and bring that about in your life. And so many people, instead of being blessed by their parents and being cursed by them or cursed by authority figures, even cursed by pastors. You know, sometimes, um, for example, you ever have a situation like this, well, if you leave this church, go to another church, you'll be out of the will of God, you know, and you'll have trouble. Boy, you know, you have, and some trouble that comes up and immediately tormented. I wonder if this is because I'm out of the will of God. So the curse, the word spoken has power. This is God has designed us to be as ambassadors on earth to speak words. And so when authority speaks words, they have power. So word curses can affect you. Words spoken by parents, by teachers, and words that you come into agree with, agreement with can afflict your heart and hold you in bondage. And the last one I'll share is the area of what I call burdens, where people place a burden on you. Burden can be a number of, kind of, number of them. One of them is false expectations, where people have an expectation of you or demand something of you that's unreasonable, this place is a burden of you and you feel, I've got to do this or I've got to help or I've got to do this or I've got to do that. Uh, and often the person feels a sense of responsibility. Well, if you love me, you do this. And you feel, I love you, but I don't want to do this. And then you're caught in the burden of it. So people carry this burden, uh, a false burden of expectation. Sometimes the eldest child in the family can have that. Sometimes if a mother's an alcoholic or a father's an alcoholic, the eldest child feels a sense of responsibility and they carry the burden of the family and they become a parent when they should be just living out the life of a child. And later on, they then can't, they've been, their whole childhood's been stolen and they end up then feeling great regret and bitterness about life. Life's cheated me and robbed me. But every relationship they're in, they, they feel like they've got to carry the weight and responsibility of someone else. And so if you're a woman who's risen up and carried the responsibility, you'll marry a man who doesn't want to take responsibility. You, you'll find that person feels comfortable, they fit with you. But you're dysfunctional and you've got another dysfunctional person attracted in to keep your dysfunction in place until you deal with the burden. Does that make sense? Again, these are all things we teach a lot on, but I just give you the highlights uh, so, you, so you kind of got it. Another uh, um, uh, form of burden is where uh, you ever heard the thing called the black sheep of the family? Yeah. And you may, to, to be the black sheep of the family means you get the blame for everything. And uh, so one of the black sheep in the family was Jephthah. He got the blame for everything. He was just different. And so when, when a person is scapegoated like that, then what happens is they begin to feel they're to blame every time something goes wrong. And so demons accuse them all the time. Anything goes wrong, that's my fault. 
And so something happens that's just a normal thing in life. It must be my fault. And that thing, it's my fault. That's a demonic accusation that's come out of being scapegoated or being put to blame or taking on shame in your life. Another one, which is, a, which is a very powerful one, and this takes place in many families where they have a code of silence or secrecy. We don't talk in our family. We don't talk about stuff. Now, this is very common when people have been sexually abused. If you say anything, you'll be responsible for destroying the family. And this is what's called a code of silence or secrecy. And many times when, you, when people have been sexually abused, what's holding them in darkness is this threat that if you say anything, you'll wreck the family. You'll be responsible. Now, this is actually a demonic bondage that someone's bought. It's actually a form of witchcraft and control, but it becomes a huge burden where the person has to carry a secret in their heart they should never have to carry. So these, these areas we've come across are burdens that people carry in their heart, and we need to be free of them. We need to be free of those burdens. How do you get free of them? We have to acknowledge them first of all. I have to acknowledge this is what I've done. This is, not, this is, this is how I've saved myself. I've got to be willing, if there's pain and grief there, let God come into that part of my life. I need to release forgiveness. See? So I need to acknowledge it, repent of agreeing with those things, renounce the agreement, release forgiveness, let the Lord come in and bring healing around that part of my life. Now, you can see that in cases where there's been sexual relationships, many times there are death wishes, inner vows, bondages of the heart. There's been sexual abuse. Many times, secrecy, bondage in the heart, inner vows, death wishes, all of these kind of things. And the person wonders then why they're not free to flow intimately with God or intimately with others. We can get free of that. Acknowledge it, actually recognize it, repent of our agreement with those things, then renounce the thing that we've come into agreement with, forgive the people, and ask the Lord to set us free. So we want to pray for people now. I want to get into an area of ministry to people. As I say, all of those areas, every one of them, there's quite substantial teaching around it to help you understand it. And you probably got enough to know, hey, that's me. How many know that God was talking to you during that session? Whoa. I thought it was just Jürgen. But <laughs> Why don't we just stand up and get to worship God again? And uh, what I want to do is you want to pray for people where there's been uh, sexual sin in your life. Uh, there's been sexual sin of various kinds. Could have been adultery. Could have been fornication. Could have been incest. Could have been involvement with animals. Could have been involvement with pornography. All of these things open your life to defiling spirits. They bring you soul ties. If you've been involved in pornography, you'll be soul tied to websites, soul tied to images. You'll actually be captured by those images and the spirit of perversion behind it need to repent of it, need to let the Lord deliver you from that thing and help you build a different life. Maybe there's some people here and uh, you've uh, been involved, uh, you've been abused, could be a young man, you were abused when you were younger. Uh, There's a huge shame and defilement comes in. If this was a serious and prolonged abuse, you may need to get special help. And today may be just the trigger to get stuff off your life, but you may need to get some further help to deal with the thinking patterns in your life. Uh, Maybe a woman that's been abused in a various kind of way. Could have been verbal abuse, sexual abuse, physical abuse. We want to let God 
set us free. Or maybe you've been through a trauma in your family and you've made, you know exactly you made these inner vows, you made these death wishes, agreements with death, or you came to these judgments about men, judgments about women. If you know that's you, this would be a great time to get it all right with the Lord. We're going to sing a worship song. You make your way to the front and do some repenting and doing business with God, and then we'll get to have a time of ministry. Praise the Lord. What are we going to sing? Where's our worship leader? Oh, you're the worship leader. Great. Go for it. What are we going to sing? Listen, just before we just go any further, uh, just in making the altar call now, if the, what would just be helpful if I just get women on one side, men on the other? Just, just makes this a little easier to minister. We have the woman here on the right side, men on the left side. Just uh, there'll be issues of sexual sin or sexual abuse. Uh, just as a helpful if we just make that separation just while we're doing this. May not be that, but just come on the woman's side if you're a woman, on the left if you're a man. It just helps us just in the ministry area. And when we can spread right out across to the right here, make a bit of room so you're not all jammed up. Okay, we're ready. If you know there's been sexual sin, sexual bondage, sexual abuse, there's been some kind of trauma. You know you've got these inner vows, death wishes. Why don't you come up and say, God, I want to be free today. I want to be free. Let's worship while you just work with God and repent. Confess these things now. There is love that came for us. Humble to a sinner's cross. You broke my shame and sinfulness. It goes again, victorious. Holy Spirit, come. Begin to touch us. Begin to touch us now. There is truth that sets me free. Jesus Christ, who lives in me. You are stronger. You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is real. Jesus, you are Lord of all. See, no beginning. No beginning and no end. You're my hope and my defense. You came to see and save the lost. You paid it all upon the cross. Sing. You are stronger. You are stronger. Sin is broken. You have saved me. It is written. Christ is risen. Jesus, you are Lord of all. Higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. 
let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. So let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher, be lifted higher. Yes, Lord. let your name be lifted higher, be lifted higher. to the Lord. You can just feel the turmoil that's in the spiritual atmosphere now because what's happening in your heart is so very painful. It's okay to weep. It's okay to let the Spirit of God touch you. He loves you. When Jesus died on the cross, He was terribly, terribly abused. Violently abused. And he hung on the cross naked for all to see. The Bible says he carried your shame. The shame you've had of the things that were done to you, things that you didn't want to happen. He took that shame. He took your griefs and sorrows. The Bible says he was acquainted with sorrows, acquainted with rejection. And so he carried it somehow on himself so you could be free. And your part is just to open your heart and let him come in. You've tried all these years to contain the pain. And now it's letting Jesus to come in. There'll be some of you women here who've been abused by men. And the trauma of it and the pain of it is very, very deep. And that person may never, ever put it right with you. They may never be taken to justice. But God is able to deal with this. God is able to bring justice to this situation. If not in this life, then in eternity. But what I want to do is this. It's so important that you are able to, from your heart, let go forgiveness. Not because the person deserves it. They don't deserve it at all. This is about breaking free of your past. 
This is about moving on with your life. And so what I want to do is I want to do, I want to stand on behalf of any man who has abused you, dishonored you, used you, and then discarded you like a doll that was unwanted. And I want to stand on behalf of those men that did this to you. And I want to say, what I did was wrong. What I did was destructive. What I did dishonored you. What I did brought shame to you. I stole from you. And of course, pain that's followed you all these many years. And I ask you to forgive me. I ask you to let go of the sin. I ask you to release this bondage of your heart that I created. Let's reach out to the Lord right now. Reach out right now and bring this to the cross. Just start to bring it to the cross right now. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, I come against the spirits of death. I command spirits of death, spirits of perversion, unclean tormenting spirits, spirits of hatred, spirits of self-hate and self-rejection, spirits of shame. I command you go in Jesus' name. Spirits of perversion, spirits of pornography. I command you to go in Jesus' name. I break the ungodly soul ties. I break the ungodly soul ties. I break the soul ties of sexual sin, sexual abuse. I break them in Jesus' name. Well, let's just begin to worship the Lord as He begins to minister to people right now. Thank you, Lord. You're anointed.